As we're in the beginning of our Lent with Ash Wednesday, oh, I just want to take a time to pray and to worship God together. So as a priest who is still up here, I would like for us to come together right now at this moment. And I would like for us to just pray to God just with our own voices, with our own hearts. Let's just really place our hearts before God with humility. And let's ask Him to guide our prayer so that it will be pleasing to His ears and to His sight. So right now, let's come together as a church. Can we just take a moment to lift up our voices? Can we lift up our voices and pray to our Heavenly Father in Heaven who is alive and who is here and who hears our prayers? Can we just turn our hearts back to Him with humility? Can we all pray together at this moment? here with us everything God is in vain Lord we need you right now at this moment we need you right now in our midst and God you are here with us so God I pray that we would have sense of courage and confidence that is found in Christ and in Christ alone I pray against any attack of the enemy and I pray God they will be sharp and ready to receive your word with humility as Mary said at your feet and as she heard your instructions and your words, I pray, God, they will receive your word with humility. And we will soak up your word like a sponge. So, God, when we're squeezed with trials and testing and temptation, that will ooze out your presence and your goodness, oh God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And Embrace the 40. Embrace the 40. Embrace the 40. There's a military concept phrase slang that says embrace the suck. And pretty much what it means is embrace the suck. It means not faking it with a smile like what Ronnie does sometimes when he says everything's okay when he's not. But it's about admitting the difficulty and the season that you're in and the unpleasantness that you're going through and you're embracing it anyway. You're embracing. You're embracing the 40. You're embracing the suck. So Lent is number 40. 
What is 40? It's a period of testing. 40 days of Lent before Easter. It's physical 40 days before Easter. And what is Easter? It's the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ who died on Good Friday. And then three days later, he rose again from the dead. That's why it says in John 14 verse 19, our main passage says, Because I live, you also will live. And we see it. We, we went to nursing home. We sang the song, because you live, I live. Because he lives, because Christ lives, we also live. Because he lives, we live. Because he resurrected, we are also resurrected as Christians. Even though physically we may die, but we are resurrected with him in spirit. Because he lives, I also live. So again, going back, why the number 40? Why 40? 40 represents a generation of a person, a generation of a man, a whole life of a man. So at the end of your life, maybe some of us were lucky enough to die on our deathbed and we can talk to our grandchildren and people, family around us. We're able to say, oh, I lived a life of 40 because it represents a generation, a whole life of a person. Number 40 is mentioned more than 140 times, I believe, to be specific. It's like 146 to 157, something like that. So the number 40 is mentioned 140 times, meaning it is an important number. And we must understand, and whenever Lent comes around, always think and remember the number 40. Number 40, it represents humility, it represents waiting, it represents being ready, and it's a preparation. So the number 40 is a period, it signifies a life of trial, testing, and probation. It symbolizes death, death to yourself, death to your flesh, death to your old life, and having a new life, a spiritual rebirth that is found in Christ. To give you some examples, Moses, he lived in the desert. Well, before he went into the desert, he lived 40 years in Egypt, right? Learning the education under Pharaoh, under the Pharaoh's court for 40 years. And at the age of 40, after he murdered someone, he ran into the desert for another 40 years. So 40 years, 40 years. By the time he was at the age of 80, that's when he, God called him with the burning bush to go into, go back to Egypt and to lead his people out of slavery. So Moses, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert. Israelites, they wonder how many years in the desert? 40 years. The reign of David lasted 40 years total. So did his son Solomon, 40 years. Jonah, he warned the people of Ninevites, for 40 days, that destruction is coming unless you repent. Prophet Ezekiel, he laid on his right side because of the sin, to symbolize the sin of, to symbolize the sin of Judah. Jesus, he fasted for 40 days, it says, and he was tempted by the devil in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. So then Moses, so did Elijah. So 40 for us as Christians is a very important number. And the challenge is this. 
that we must embrace the 40. Embrace the 40 for the next 40 days. Embrace it. Self-reflect. Examine your life to see if you are still in the faith. For the next 40 days, embrace it and make sure that you, you are reflecting in your life to know that you are in the faith, that you are still a faithful child of God. There's a show called, and it's a really good show. It's on Amazon if you want to watch it. It's free on Prime. And it's called I Shouldn't Be Alive. And I've been watching that when I have, you know, food with my father. We've been watching that show, and it's really good. It's a, it's a story of, it's a true story of people that went through crazy, the people that went through crazy situations, and they're trying to survive, and they came out of alive. And in the video, at the time, at the end of the video, they have a time to reflect and how they are thankful to God for the very life that they have, that they're alive today. So I pray that you embrace the 40 starting today. Being grateful every single day. And I say this often. I say it all the time. You know, Christians will, uh, not if, but will face trials. You will. Anyone who tells you that things are going to be easy, they're lying to you. Every individual went through trials and tribulation, starting with Adam, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, David, Paul, Peter, Judas, and even Jesus Christ himself. Before he started his ministry, at the age of 30, he was in the desert, tested. And we need the season of 40 in our lives. But thank God every year when Easter comes around, there's Lent. You see people doing the ashes on their forehead. That's what it is, Ash Wednesday. From that moment on, 40 days, physical 40 days before the day of Easter. So season 40, the number 40 is humbling, is a time of correcting, is a time of challenging, being challenged. It's a confusing time. It's a time of testing because you are challenging yourself to see if you are still in the faith. You are in the faith and you are a faithful child of God. 40 is much needed. Why? Because it's going to ready you and it's going to prepare you for what God has called you to be. Like I said earlier, Moses, he grew up in the Pharaoh's court. He was a man of both culture, just like you. Some of you were born in Korea. Some of you were born here, but your parents are Korean. Your parents are Filipinos. Your parents are of different culture. You are a man and woman of two culture, and so was Moses. And that was all part of God's plan. Right? He was originally a Hebrew, an Israelite by birth, but because they were killing off the babies, his mother sends him into the, into the river, and then he becomes saved, and he, he grows up into the Pharaoh's court. He learns leadership under Egyptian culture and education. He becomes spoiled and comfortable and educated for 40 years. But what happened to Moses? He had to go to the desert for 40 years, extra 40 years. And in that desert, he learned what? How to shepherd. And that's what God called Moses to be, to be a shepherd. And that's when he, he learned how to lead people by shepherding animals. God was challenging him. That was, God was getting him ready for what was to come, to discover who he really was and what become. 
Moses had to run away. He had to stay in the desert for 40 years. Without that, he couldn't have learned true leadership, which was shepherding. A lesson and preparation that he needed before leading his people. Again, and not only that, he spends another 40 years in the desert by the Israelites, right? So think about it. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert before his call. He goes and he rescues the people. God uses him. And then he stays for another 40 years. If the Israelites had been faithful, they could have been in their destination in a month. But they were rebellious 40 years, 40 years, 40 years. Moses was a man of both culture. But without his time in the Pharaoh's court and without his time in the desert, he would not be the man that he became, that God needed him to be. Same thing with Joseph. Spoiled under his father's house, where he was a favorite out of the brothers, sold into slavery by being betrayed by his brothers. But what happens in the story? And it's a beautiful story. Joseph's story is one of my favorite stories. He later becomes the second most powerful man in the world as governor. If Joseph did not embrace the 40 in his life, the trial and the testing in his life. And if he had, when he had prayed, when he was in prison, when he prayed, God, please get me out. Take me out of this 40 season that I am in. And if, if God had answered him according to what Joseph wanted, then it would have been untimely and it would have been premature. But God had to allow Joseph to be in prison, to be wrongly accused, for him to go through all that he did. Because there was a purpose to his life. Why? Because we see at the end in Genesis, towards Genesis 50, that because of Joseph, the whole world is saved because of the seven-year famine and the seven-year blessing. The seven-year blessing and the seven-year famine. And God gives Joseph wisdom. To show him how to, re- to spread the food so that people can eat. How to save the people. That's why Joseph, he was able to say at the end. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, What you intended for evil, God intended for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So as godly men and women of God, may we, we must, during the season of Lent, 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Examine. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 40. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Psalm 26, verse 2. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. And last, Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Can we just take a moment?
to read Second Corinthians, Lamentations, Psalms, these two songs right now. Let's just go back and forth in the screen. And I just want to take some time for us to reflect on these scriptures before I go ahead and mention our points. Examine yourselves. So I'll read Psalm 139, verse 23 together. Ready? One, two, three. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Amen. So I'll read point number one. Lent is about God. Lent is about God. It is not without Lent, there is no God. A lot of people... In their faith, in their walk with God, they put Lent before God. What I'm trying to say is without God, there is no Lent. It is not without Lent, there is no God. God is not bound by tradition or by any holiday. God is above everything, above our feelings, above everything that we know. So Lent is about God. John 14 verse 19, we said earlier, because I live. You also will live. If there is no Easter, there is no Lent. If there is no Christ, if there is no God, there is no such thing as Lent. There is no salvation. So Lent is about you worshiping God, and Lent is about us submitting to Jesus Christ during the season. Again, 40 is not a literal 40-day number until Lent, until Easter. I'm talking about the symbol and the meaning of 40. It's a generation and the life of a person. So your whole life is about finding God and seeking Him. With all your heart, with all your intent, you pursue the heart of God. And a lot of times, people during the season, they get stuck in the tradition of doing and fasting and giving up those are not bad things, but it's easy to get stuck in the habit of doing something. Like, for example, I'm going to quit coffee, or I'm not going to eat chocolate, or I'm going to give extra offering. Lent is not all about that, because it's, it's easy to get stuck in the habit of routine and forget the true meaning of why we do what we do. What Lent is about is about God, is about pursuing God. It's not just about giving up something. It's not about giving up something for 40 days. The point of Lent is not about the law, for Lent is easily trivialized. It's easier to write a check. It's easier to give up something. But the point of Lent is saying, God, you have power and dominion over me, and I submit to you, and I desire to seek you today. It's about making it about God, knowing that without him, that we cannot live. It's about spiritual renewal of your life. 
It's about finding Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So Lent is about God. Number two, Lent is about you. It's about yourself. So point letter A, your heart. Heart. Check your heart. Psalm 26, 2, it says, Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Psalm 139, 23, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Lent is about your heart. If your heart is not in the right place, everything is wrong. Again, the foundation is God, but it's also about you and it's about your heart. Where is your heart? Lent is about your heart. Lent is about reflecting your heart, what is going in within. Yes, David committed adultery. Yes, David committed sin before God. Yes, David murdered someone. But what was David known for? He was known for as a man after my own heart. If you do not pursue the heart of God, your heart is not in the right place. It's about examining and reflecting your heart. Test me, meaning inspect me, prove me, God, Lord, and try me, examine, evaluate me, look closely into my heart. It's asking, God, look into my heart, my heart and my mind. Search me, Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why? Why examine our hearts? Why self-reflect our hearts? Why? Because Jeremiah 17, verse 9 tells us this. 9 through 10, it says the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. I love you, I don't love you. I love you, I don't love you. I like you today, I don't like you today. Our heart, our hearts are all over the place. You must examine our hearts. Your heart is deceitful above all things and beyond you. So according to Jeremiah 17.10, it's about asking God to search our hearts and our minds. Why? Because the Lord will reward each person each one of us, according to our faithfulness, according to our heart. Examine your heart to see if you're still grounded in the faith, if you're still grounded in God. Not a fake persona, you come up here, you're playing these instruments and you're pretending, you're doing a checklist, you just care about what others think about you, but it's about God seeing you for who you are. Where is your heart? Again, Lent is about you, heart. Let it be mind, 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 mind. Lent is about transforming your mind. Now, this is not in the screen, but if you remember in Psalm 26, verse 2, it says, test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. So Lent is about transforming your mind also. <laughs> Romans 12, 2 tells us this, do not conform to the pattern, meaning copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's what it's saying. 
Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does it mean? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's saying that change the way you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve, meaning discern. Discerning means to know what is right and what is wrong. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Keep in mind, I'm not talking, when I say mind, I'm not talking about feelings and emotions. I'm talking about growing in the truth. Your mind needs to be sharp. Your mind needs to be grounded in the word of God. It needs to grow in the knowledge and in the wisdom of truth through the word of God. But listening to the right people, you need to grow in the truth and in the knowledge of the truth. Your wisdom must grow every single day. How does it grow? You come faithfully to church every week. You put in the work of what you hear, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week when you're by yourself on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leading up to Sunday. You read the word of God on your own, in your own time, every single day. You memorize scripture, not just during missions when it's due, but you memorize and you feed on the, you feed on the word of God. And as you feed on the word of God, your wisdom will grow. And that's how you stay grounded in the truth. You can come to Bible studies on Thursdays and learn the truth, the truth of God. Learn the blessings of God. Learn and grow. Your way of thinking must change. I always hate it when worship leaders will come up and say, how do you feel tonight? It's like, feel? I feel bad. I make it about me and my emotion. But what the worship leader should say is, what do you know tonight? What do you know? You may feel this way today. But what is the truth that you know are you grounded in the word of God? Will you trust your own feelings and your emotions? Or will you trust the word of God? What do you know tonight? What is in your mind? Are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Do not trust your emotions. Sharpen your mind. So many people right now, churches, people who are in the faith, who claim to walk in the faith, they're trusting in everything else but the word of God. Their minds are not sharp. They're not able to discern what is right. They do not have the wisdom of God. Right? We, we see it, you know, drunk in the Holy Spirit. People are just acting crazy. Talking, talking about glory clouds, the fire tunnel, you know, glitters in the, coming from the vents, practicing these feelings all sensual feelings and these things, how you feel, do not take part in it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to be sharp. You need to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Sub point letter C, repentance. Repentance, repentance, repentance. A lifestyle of repentance. 16th century reformer Martin Luther said, the whole Christian life comes down to repentance. I'll say that again. The whole Christian life 
comes down to repentance. From the beginning of our faith, that every day, every day, we are turning more away from our sins and self-centeredness, and we are turning to Jesus Christ every single day. So the question, how often should you repent? My answer is all day, every day with thanksgiving. So the question, are you living a life of repentance? What does it mean to repent? It means making change in your attitudes, your minds, your words, your lifestyles. It's not just about being remorseful for our sins, but it's about losing ourselves in Christ. So if Lent is a time of repentance and a season of losing ourselves in God, then your yesterday self must be gone. You must be rid of. Your old self must be gone. You must forsake your old self and your desires for what God desires, not just for the next 40 days of Easter, before Easter, but for the rest of your life, for the rest of your days. So again, Lent is about you. It's about the heart. It's about the mind. It's about repenting. And letter D, and the last point, is ash. Ash. Turn to your neighbor and say, where is Pikachu? Who understood the joke? Who did not understand the joke? Can you raise your hand? Who did not understand the joke? One, two, three, four, five. Come on, Ash. He's the Pokemon master of Pikachu. So where's Pikachu? Right? But I'm not talking about Ash, the anime character. I'm talking about Ashes. 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 Did you guys know that um, the way it works is uh, when Advent comes, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, remember they're waving the what? What branches? Yes, the palm branches, right? Symbolizing a warrior, a king coming in, victory, right? And then they take that palm branch, they burn it, and they turn that into ash, right? Because Jesus, he went and he died on the cross. And then months later, the next year when it comes around, you take that same palm branch, that becomes the ash, and then you take that ash and you take it and you put it on the floor. Did you guys know that? That's something cool, right? Yeah, I have it at home. But the palm branches and ashes, they all come together. So the ash, ash, ash. What does it symbolize? It symbolizes the number, the number of your days. That your life is a finite life. That we are not infinite beings. That we will not live forever. And that one day we will face death and we will be gone from this life and it will be no more. James 4.14 tells us this. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it is gone. Psalm 144.34 tells us this. Lord, 
What are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They are like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. Do not lose your life by working so hard, by pursuing the desires and the dreams of this life. I'll say that again. Do not lose yourself by pursuing the dreams and the desires of this world, what this world can offer. It is all fleeting. It is all nonsense. It is not necessary. But you must pursue the things of God, the kingdom of God, the eternity of God. It's not about gaining the riches of this life, pursuing the dreams of this life. It's good to have a good job. It's good to have education, but that is not everything. For we cannot take U-Haul and our diplomas, all that stuff with us in our death. It's about reminding ourselves that God takes care of all of our needs, whether we have or we don't, like the book of Job. Whether you give, you take away, may your name be praised. Ash, ash. It's about having the right perspective that one day this life will come to an end. If you know that one day your life will come to an end, we should be grateful today, right? The fact that we're alive, the fact that we're here worshiping. But it's hard. It's hard for young people to really grasp that until you go to a funeral, until you lose a loved one a family member, someone that you dearly love, that's when you're able to put things in perspective, that life is truly short, that we're here today and gone tomorrow. Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more and valuable than they. It's about reminding ourselves that even birds, animals, even though they don't do any work, that the Heavenly Father feeds them. Why are we working so hard? Why are we working so hard to pursue the things of this life when God takes care of all of our needs? We are here today and gone tomorrow. Do not lose yourselves by pursuing the desires and the dreams of this life, for they're all fleeting. Remind yourselves that we came from God, therefore we must remain in God. Why? Because at the end of it all, at the end of our life, at the end of this journey called life, when you hit that finish line, we will all go to God and we will join Him in heaven. And that is it. That is it, the end, period. Lent is about you. The heart, the mind, repentance, and the ash. That your days are numbered. And I wasn't going to add this in. Originally I had number one and two, but I added number three. Because as I was doing the message, I realized I'm literally doing the vision of our church. Uh, We have the sign outside. It says, you, community, 
and God. And it is not just about you, but it's also about what we do in the midst of our community, in the place where God has called us to be. Because obviously, we're not monks where we are called to live alone in the mountains by ourselves, even though some of you, you do want that. Ronnie, you want that, right? You do want to be that way? Like no people, no whatsoever? Like with an AI? Huh? You need, you need companion, right? You need people. We all need people. It's like the story of the Castaway, movie Castaway. I encourage you to watch that. It's another good movie. So again, I shouldn't be alive and Castaway. It's really good. The movie Castaway is really good. And then he makes a companion because he's by himself. Who? With who? Do you guys remember the name? Oh, snap. His name is Wilson. And then he's like, oh, I used to have a coach or someone that I knew. His name was Mr. Spaulding. Did you guys get that joke? Spaulding is another company of like balls, like sports balls, right? Like basketball, Spaulding. And then there's Wilson. They're two really famous ones. Anyways, the blood of his hand is, is on, the, on the Wilson, the ball, and it makes a face. And he finds a companion with a volleyball. Because we all need companion. That's why Adam, he was not complete until he had Eve, until he had a companion. We are all called to live in community. So number three, Lent is about community. Is it shown already? Okay. Oh, this is showing different on TV. Here before it was saying like, uh, uh, 40, the embrace. <laughs> Over here on the screen. So, okay, it's showing care. Okay, it's not showing. Okay. Lent is about community. So point A, care. Care. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. John 15. Care. No one cares what you know until they know that you care. Ben Franklin. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. No one cares what you know until you show them that you care. When we go to nursing homes, when we go on missions, we could put on an amazing performance. You guys can be an amazing praise team. But if you don't show the heart of God, of caring for one another, if you don't care about each other, all you care is about you sounding good. You just care about your own little thing. But you're not looking at the big picture that we are living in community. Then we are missing the whole point. The two greatest command is what? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. Humility. Care. Let her be fellowship. 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 So KP, who is not here for fellowship later, she's missing the whole point. She's not about community. I'm kidding. This is when she goes and puts it on, on mute and she screams and says something. Is she even, she's still, is she there? Okay. You're okay. here. <laughs> Fellowship. Therefore, encourage one another. Encourage and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. It's good business practice. If either of them falls down, one could help the other up. But pity, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? In the show, I shouldn't be alive. Oh, there are a lot of times where they were so cold, they huddled up each, with each other. And if they didn't have one another, they would have been gone and dead. Two can lie down together and they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves back to back like gladiator. A quarter of three strands is not quickly broken. So the more number we have, the more powerful we can be. Again, I'm not talking about having better, bigger number, bigger church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having fellowship, people around you that you can count on. Sometimes having two people, two close friends is greater than having a thousand fake friends, a thousand social media followers. Care, fellowship, and let us see in the last point, accountability. Are you accountable? Is your life accountable to someone? Are you accountable to somebody? Are you being accountable in your actions? Hebrews 10, 24 tells us this. And let us consider how we may what? Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's what you need. You need someone to spur you towards what? To crookedness? To sin? To rebellion? No. To towards love and Good deeds. You need someone to push you in that direction. Hebrews 10, 24. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. A friend is not just, yes, man, yes, man, do whatever you want, man, yes. A friend is someone that tells you no, no. And at times, no. They will tell you they're willing to hurt you because they love you. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So what is Lent? Lent is about God. Lent is about you. What is it? Come on, let's talk. It's about your heart. Your what? What'd you say? Your man? What? Okay, I'm getting distracted. Okay, Lent is about God. Lent is about community. It's heart, mind, repentance, and think about Pokemon, ash. Good. The number. And then Lent is about community. Help? I gotta help. Okay. okay, Lent is about community. And what are the points? Some points to that. It's care, fellowship, and 
accountability, good. Amen. Let us not forget what Lent is about. Embrace the 40. Embrace the suck. Embrace it. So in closing, I want to challenge you today to embrace the 40, to embrace the season that we are in. I want to encourage you to examine yourself. Examine yourselves today. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you now realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Examine. Examine, examine, examine. Examine. And then next, test. Test, test, test yourselves. Your prayer must be today. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Test. Psalm 139.23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. For those who are anxious today, surrender them to God as we're here in this place, as we're here in this place to worship Him. Amen? Let's just take this moment to reflect upon the word that it's about the great exchange. It's about realizing that we are ashes, that our lives are ashes, that we are here today and gone tomorrow. And for those who have lost loved ones and who really truly understand that this life is a gift and a blessing from God. And when you see that this life is short, that we are all on the same boat, that we are here today, and that we are gone tomorrow, let us remind ourselves that exchange for our ashes, in exchange for our death, God gives us something greater. Isaiah 61 promises us this, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of of ashes. So right now, as we're in the season of Lent, will we make that great exchange? Can we truly tell God right now? Can we say to Him, God, I offer you my ashes. I give you what I have. I give you what I can. I give you all of me. Lord, take it all. Take it all. Take it all. Can we take this moment to pray? As Joel prayed, 
I repent in dust and ashes. As Daniel prayed, I turned to God in earnest prayer with fasting, sackcloth, and in ashes. As Jeremiah prayed, to roll in the ashes. Let us not hold back in our prayer before God. What is still holding you back right now? Give God your ashes. It's a promise that He will give us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. God will bestow on you. God will bestow on us a crown of beauty. So give it to Him, for He wants it. He wants your ashes. He desires it. Give it to Him. Let us give Him our crown. Let us give Him our ashes. Let us give Him our anxiety. Let us surrender everything that we have. Let us lay it down at His feet. Let's turn to Him. Let's give it to Him. Let us pray together. Don't worry about anyone who's sitting next to you. But who is sitting next to you, do not be distracted. Let's not be distracted by the noise, by the music, by anything else. But this is about your heart and your mind and your life. Let's just turn to God and be in a place of worship, in a place of prayer. Let us just come before God right now and genuinely seek His face and to know that He is alive, that He is listening to our prayers at this moment. He's saying to us, give it to me, my beautiful child. In return, I give you my beauty. I will give you my crown. I give you my grace. I will turn your brokenness into hope. I'll turn your hopelessness into hope. So let's turn to Him. Let's give Him our everything. Let us embrace the 40 and the season that we're in. Let us pray. Let's continue praying. You don't need to pray out loud. This isn't about filling out noise. It's not about filling out the awkwardness. This is about your heart and your genuine worship before God. Let us come and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's continue praying. This is about your heart. This is about your life. Are you still in the faith? Are you distracted? Or are you just going through a checklist? Is your faith grounded in the Word of God? Where is your heart? Where is your faith right now? Let us pray together. Let's continue praying. Let's continue praying. Father, we need you. Father, we need you. I need you today more than yesterday, God. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my rebellion, O Lord. Forgive me, God, of my stubborn attitude, of God, of making it about myself, about putting my emotions and my feelings first. But Lord, I surrender myself to you. I ask God that you transform me from the inside out, oh God. Lord, may, not, may, may I not continue living the same way as I did, but may I continue in my conduct, in my action, but may it come from the overflow, from the change, a transformed heart, oh God. I need you today more than yesterday, oh God. I need your grace more today than yesterday, oh God. Help me to hate sin more today than yesterday, oh God. I need you more today, oh Lord, for I desire your presence. If your presence is not with me, God, everything that I do, God, is in vain, oh God. Lord, you look at the heart. You look at the inner man and the inner woman. You look at the heart, oh God. You look at the overflow of our heart and our intent before you, oh Lord. Lord, let our heart be right before you, oh God. Let there not be any crookedness, any sin that is found that is within us, oh God. For 
but God, without your blood, without the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, without the blood that was shed for me, God, nothing can be washed away, oh God. Cleanse me with this, oh God. Cleanse me with your blood. Just like the Israelites, as they put the door on the door frame with the blood of the Lamb with his son. And as the spirit of death over over, oh God, Lord, we ask, God, that you paint our hearts with his son, with your blood, oh God, that was shed for us. The blood that washes away our sins. Oh God, spirit of death has no power over me. For God, I am found and renewed in Christ. So God, during the season of Lent, I surrender myself to you. I give all that I am to you. Take my ashes, oh God. Take my ashes. And God, you will bestow upon me a crown of beauty. Beauty for ashes, oh God. What a great exchange. What an amazing exchange. What an unfair exchange. But thank you, God, for your grace. The beautiful exchange. The priceless exchange of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Lord, I need you right now. I need you right now. Father, we remind ourselves, oh God, that Lent is about you, it's about God, and that God, that Lent is about me, it's about my heart, it's about my mind, it's about my repentance, it's about the numbers, the ashes, that this life, that we are finite beings, and that we will not live forever, and God, Lent it's about community. It's about care. It's about loving one another. It's about having fellowship. It's about having accountability. So God, I pray that we will not just go through the season of Lent alone, in our own rooms, in our own hearts, but Lord, may we go through them together in our Bible studies, in our scripture studies, in our time of prayer, in this time that we have, in the season that we have in 2021. May we draw not just closer, not only to you, but also to each other in true fellowship and with true love and with true care. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray, and God's people pray, amen and amen.